passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I have stayed away and stay true to my retirement because I am a man of my word. Because I am a man of honor, a man of integrity. I have stayed away and stayed retired out of respect for the system, out of respect for them, and most importantly, and most importantly, I've stayed retired out of respect for you. Is it respect or is it fear? And make no mistake about it, I would put you down all over again. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside. Waiting, we are back in Canada, back in the 416. How are you doing, Way? Doing pretty good. Yeah, getting accustomed to uh, Canadian life. Wow. Are you are you fully out of the mode of sitting upright in a car? Um, yeah, I'll say so. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you realize we weren't? Uh, I think so. Though I don't have any desire to sit in a car for any long period of time for probably the next six months. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a long trek. It was very long. We were a uh, lot of driving. You can catch up on all of that uh, through our coverage uh, at all in over the weekend uh, up at postwrestling.com. So go check that out. Uh, how else are you doing? How was your Labor Day? This is a holiday in uh, uh for most out there that are listening. How was yeah. your Labor Day? It was good. I mean, I returned the, our, our rental, and then uh, I actually, instead of driving today, I took the subway. Uh, and I don't often do that because, I mean, oh. I work from home now, and uh, I typically drive. But uh, I got on the subway, and once in a while, sitting on the subway is actually quite a nice experience. I actually feel uh, a bit more in tune with the city. I had a nice conversation with a 70-something-year-old lady who just all of a sudden started talking to me. Mm-hmm. And uh turns out she's a she's an actor at seventy seven years old. Um says her favorite movie is The Godfather. Okay. That's you could have worse uh inspirations for your vocation. She knows every Godfather. Word. She knows every word to the Godfather. Did she recite I would have called her on it. Like, she yeah, prove it. Seemed to. Yeah. I mean I don't know every word to the Godfather, so 
I I tend to believe her. She you could have just said we're 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 doing the loop. I want to hear the entire dialogue of that three hour movie now. Go. Yeah, I don't know if I would have had that patience. That would have been a a tough one. Hmm. Well, that's nice. Uh, you got to uh, ride the rocket, as they say in Toronto. I actually use the subway as well today. Oh, really? Look at that. Wow. What were you just doing? Uh, I went out today. Uh, I actually uh, worked at Starbucks, actually, most of the day. It was so hot out today. Very, very hot. Went uh, there uh, because I had to catch up on a lot. Whenever we do these uh, weekend trips, I fall behind on a lot of stuff. So today was my catch-up day. Uh, and then uh, and then I walked for a while and headed over. Uh, I actually treated myself to an ice cream and then got on the subway, came home, and then hung out with my family for a bit and then sat down to watch meditation segments. What a way to cap off a Labor Day. Yeah, I was kind of not looking forward to Raw today. I thought this was going to be a, a tougher Raw than usual, though I will say they're uh, – Rod did surprise me. There was there was definitely a wide range of uh, quality on this episode of Raw from Columbus, Ohio, that had we been so inclined way, we could have easily stopped by and, and seen live and in living color in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it was very close to All In. And I wonder how many people who st- uh, watched this, uh, All In on Saturday made the trek to go to Raw on Monday. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to think about because, I mean, a lot of that audience who went to All In uh, see, it felt like they were not necessarily happy with maybe the current direction of where WWE programming is going. So you can expect them maybe not to want uh, want to go to Raw. But I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who are fans of both. And I mean, I, I find that I'm I'm able to kind of really separate the two, even while watching the G1 and then having to watch Raw. Yeah, certainly some of the match quality really is noticeably different and and weaker. Uh, when, when I watch, you know, a TV episode of Raw. But, I mean, I find, like, I I kind of watch the shows differently and and kind of appreciate them or maybe grade them on, on kind of different merits. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, going into tonight's show, I, I was kind of the same as you. Like, I'm not going into this, you know, just random episode of Raw that I'm going to put up against a show that was so different. But I will say that, I think that 10 pounds of gold has really had an effect on my uh, enjoyment of just building up big matches uh, and the way that they were able to do that and taking some of the elements uh, of that particular series that I feel sometimes could like that serious approach could be a welcome change, not every month on a, for a big WWE show, but every now and then taking elements of that, um, I think that maybe had more. I, I was thinking of that series actually a bit more than All In during Raw tonight. Sure, yeah. And I think what that's what's so great about something like All In and really I think the growing awareness of the independent wrestling scene that's out there, it's that you can have so many different styles depending on what you like. You can watch Lucha Underground if that's your thing. Uh, you know, um, NWA seems to be, be presenting a very traditional style of of uh wrestling build-up and if you're a fan of that you can watch that wwe clearly if we if, if you watch this edition of raw they kind of at this point really have all their own tropes and their own style i mean after so many years yeah so we mentioned that all of our coverage for all in it's up on the website as well as uh, the post wrestling cafe where you can catch two road trip shows that we did both audio and video on our way there and our way coming back and you can find out uh, how i uh, nearly accidentally broke into someone's car on Sunday on the way back. 
This week, though, we're just looking ahead. Lots of shows coming your way. Uh, we have all the all the regular shows coming uh, out this week, including Wednesday night, the British Wrestling Experience with Martin Bushby, Ollie Court, and Benno. And I understand, Wade, there is a giveaway that is going on Wednesday. That is right. Yes, Benno informed me today that this week on the British Wrestling Experience, they will be giving a pair of general admission tickets away to Wrestling MediaCon this weekend in Manchester. So they basically, all Benno is asking is for... Anybody listening to this, if you're in the area or able to make it to Wrestling MediaCon this weekend, to simply go to our Twitter account, twitter.com slash postwrestling. Look for the post that we posted this after... Oh, man, this name. Look for the post that we posted on the Post Wrestling account this afternoon promoting a British Wrestling Experiences giveaway of uh, their Wrestling MediaCon tickets and retweet it and like it. And Benno, Martin, and Ollie will pick a winner uh, that they will announce on the show this week. So that's all you have to do. Uh, just a, a one note from Benno is that these general admission tickets do not uh, get you access into everything except the Rev Pro and Impact shows, which are ticketed separately. But it seems like they, there's a lot going on at the at the convention anyway. So uh, look for that post and get all that information at uh, on the British Wrestling Experience this Wednesday. Uh, also out uh, coming out, we've, we've got, of course, we're Rewind to SmackDown, and then the double shot will be up on the Post Wrestling Cafe, and we may not have a Being the Elite for you, way. Yeah, uh, somebody tweeted Nick about uh, getting a new episode up, and Nick basically said uh, it would be humanly impossible to go through all the footage that they shot and release an episode in time for today. So I think, uh, I, I really feel like a break is needed for those guys anyway, uh, and I, I don't think anybody would be complaining. He said humanly impossible. Oh, so, so robo- maybe. robotically. Maybe possible. Brian Cage is going to, the monster, or the machine is going to edit this week's show. Uh, I wonder if it would be as good. Uh, probably not. That would be my, my assumption. But hey, we don't know. Thursday, we're going to have up next out. It will be humanly possible that Braden and Davey will be back from Chicago by then. And a happy birthday to Davey, by the way. And should we announce, Way, what they are also going to be reviewing uh, in addition to Up Next uh, each week for the next, I guess, uh, two months? They will also be reviewing, I believe, on this edition of Up Next. It's not been decided whether or not they'll separate the shows or put them together. But uh, as many people know, after Up Next airs is the debut of the Mae Young Classic. And our friends... Braden and Davey are choosing to take that challenge on themselves. They will be reviewing both of those shows, NXT and the Mayhem Classic, uh, starting with this week's episode. All right. They will be doing that weekly. Friday, for members of the cafe, we will have our Ask Away, our live version from StarCast this past weekend. The audio will be going up of that, so you can tune into that on Friday. Saturday, we've got the latest Eggshells podcast companion with Chris Charlton this week. He is up to the year 2000, and he will be joined by Brian Mann, formerly of Keep It 2000, uh, to be chatting that particular year of major Tokyo Dome events. And then we'll round things out Sunday with the UFC 228 review, uh, which is taking place on Boxing Day, because everyone knows that Saturday is Christmas, because Aqua is coming to town at Echo Beach in Toronto. Well, I'm very excited for you. How excited are you, man? You're a week away. Uh, I've now, now that this trip is out of the way... And suddenly I'm realizing that it's Monday and this concert is on Saturday and they have not canceled their appearance in Toronto. I'm starting to believe it's going to happen. Oh, well, I'm hoping that does not happen. 
I've waited for three months to wake up and see a million tweets at me that Aqua pulls out due to uh, scheduling problem, illness, whatever reason, visa issues, uh, band turmoil. I've been ready for everything, and I refused over the last three months to fully to fully invest that this concert was going to happen. But here we are on a Monday, and man, I... I don't know if Darren Till's going to make weight on, on the weekend, but I feel that Aqua is going to make it to Toronto. I'm optimistic. I think they'll be fine. I, I don't think you should worry that much, although a bit of susp- suspense is always good. Uh, but my hope for you is that, since you've been looking forward to this, that everything will go off without a hitch and that you have the greatest experience of your life. Well, I can only hope. Hey, just a co- uh, correction. Uh, Brian Mann actually won't be appearing on eggshells this week. Uh, he oh, was advertised, Christ. but I believe at some point... Um, uh, he wasn't able to make it, so I think in his wait, wait, wait! You just you just gave me all this hope about advertising coming true, and here you ju- you just yank out this from underneath us. We were all getting excited about Brian Mann on eggshells this weekend, so now my optimism for Aqua has just totally diminished. Well, I imagine you know Brian is an incredibly incredibly busy man with many projects on the side. Huh. I don't know how much Lenny and Renee and Klaus and Soren are doing besides aqua we gotta update this uh this spreadsheet then yeah these shows these shows are done months ago um yeah he's he's still continuing to work on them i believe and and he's really uh releasing them to his indiegogo backers first uh and then uh getting getting giving them to the public through our our feed uh as they go along but i believe his guest this week is joe Help me out with this. Is it Gagne or Gagne or Gagne? I think it's Gagne. Yeah, I believe it's Gagne as well. So Joe Gagne will be uh, Chris Charlton's guest this week on Eggshells, which I heard some compliments, many compliments about actually this weekend at StarCast. So do check that out every Saturday morning. Yes. Uh, and to uh, give credit, Chris has actually updated the spreadsheet here. So my bad. Yes, Dan Lavransky was on this past weekend. So you can check out the 1999 show. Mm-hmm. A great year that 1999 was. I, I, just just in life, I was in ninth grade. It was quite the party, in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, very very clever. Are you ready to catch up on some newsway? We have a, f- a few days worth of, of news to go through some items here. Let's do it. Uh, let's start with uh, the WWE actually announced this during Raw, but not on Raw. That the latest match added to the Evolution pay per view will be Mickey James versus Lita. Mickey James versus Lita. Okay, that's nice. I mean. Part of me wishes they would do Mickey versus Trish. I think uh, to rekindle that. I think that that would that. Meh. But you know, I think I think Alexa and Trish is is good too. Mickey versus Lita. That's almost like. Did they ever face each other? Oh, I'm sure they they faced each other, yeah. but I don't I don't recall any significant program between the two. It's it's okay. It's okay. I kind of wish they would have done actually what they did with uh, Alexa and Trish and kind of give us more of an intergenerational match. You know, Lita versus maybe somebody for, of the current crop that might like be Bailey. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the the latest match announcement for Evolution. Uh, we also had uh, Big Cast did an interview over the weekend. This might have been his first since he uh, was released by the WWE. It was on Booker T's podcast, Heated Conversations, and he was asked about the release, and he stated, "Quote: If I'm going to be honest with you." I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in a very short period of time. I did some things that I probably should not have done. I guess the company just couldn't rely on me, and they couldn't trust me. He's, he went on to say that it was the right decision to get rid of me at that point in time. I'm not saying I won't be back, but at that 
But at that point, they definitely made the right decision for them and adds that they also made the right decision for himself. So he said he's in the midst of his 90-day no-compete clause that it – I get the sense that he is he is looking to jump into the independent scene, which is not a scene he was really all that exposed to because he was signed so early in his career that his – his experience was FCW, NXT, and then getting the call up to WWE in 2016. So I think there will be a lot of eyes on him as the next um, the next figure to see how does this guy acclimate to life outside of the WWE. And is he someone that can reinvent himself or not? Well, the indie world, I think, is is drastically different maybe now than than perhaps it even was when he was starting out. And, and you know, I think tastes and... The standard of, of in-ring performance is so beyond, I, I imagine, what Big Cass has ever experienced or been trained to, so to 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 experience. So, I mean, I think the guy really has his work cut out for him. Um, I I feel like a response like his is interesting, especially in contrast to uh, that of Enzo's, his former tag team partner. It felt like that that one that he gave. In that interview with Booker T, felt like he was almost repenting for his sins, realizing his his uh, uh, poor actions, and uh, agreeing with the decision to let him go. I mean, I think it sounds like a good type of apology, and and you know, the cynic in me and maybe the political person in me tells me that hey, that's exactly the type of thing you should probably say if you ever hope for of working for that company again. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it's a start. Yeah, I think that he has a lot of positives going for him that if his goal is to get back to the WWE, uh, he is not going to have to go through the same process that maybe others would uh, mm-hmm. to to get back in there. And I think that, you know, he, he has the opportunity, I think, to to go out and, and do something. But it, it, I think we have seen the level of what it takes to really stand out and and be a force on the independent scene that is going to like it's a blank canvas it's like it's it's out there for you to take but it is it is a significant significant undertaking and i, I guess the jury's out on on Cass and and even what he's going to be billing himself as yeah but it's achievable it certainly is yep. i mean there are guys who aren't as uh, good wrestlers probably as him that that have made, found their way back into uh you know, uh, success uh, or back to, to the WWE, you don't necessarily have to have five-star matches in order to get the WWE's attention if that is your goal to go back into their system. I mean, Cody is not a guy who has five-star matches. EC3 was not never a guy who had five-star matches, but I think there was something exceptional about any uh, some of those, any of those guys. Uh, you do have to catch people's eye, and hopefully Big Cass will find that on his own. Yeah, he could be one of those guys I could see the NWA looking at as you know this kind of redemption story and and maybe utilizing him uh, over the weekend. Uh, Mike Johnson reported this at PW Insider that Saturday morning uh, Joey Mercury was arrested. He was he was in Schaumburg, Illinois, and he's been working as a producer behind the scenes for Ring of Honor and was working the or set to work the All In event, and he was sleeping in his car. And I guess the authorities were called, and when they ran his information, uh, they found that there was this outstanding warrant for his arrest in Florida, and he was taken in, and bail was set at $2,500, and he's supposed to go in front of a judge on on Tuesday morning. So, you know, had he been a member of the Shield, he could have gotten in front of a judge within an hour or two tops, um, but unfortunately, this happened in Illinois and not Ohio, 
Uh, so that was a strange story. And also, he had just done a cameo last week way on Lucha Underground. I don't want to spoil the uh, the wedding episode, but he showed up on Lucha Underground last week, too. Hmm. Sort of, uh, yeah, really, I don't know what... what issue uh he was being arrested for it's it's not known what the what what the warrant was issued for in yeah. florida but uh, at least not yet you know it, it's got a kind of it, it was kind of on a weekend where i felt so much positive positive news coming out of the weekend i'm sure like it it was probably pretty rough to uh you know be apprehended in a weekend where i think everybody was just being so happy uh, about maybe the, the state of, of that show and, and independent professional wrestling. Yeah, well, hopefully he's able to take care of this issue. I think Joey Mercury, he's someone that everyone raves about uh, how intelligent this guy is. And I, I believe he was one of the agents that had been assigned to that battle royal as well that um, a lot of people were talking about, just how well laid out that match was. So uh, we will keep you updated on that. Um, Velveteen Dream is going to be working some Evolve cards this weekend. Uh, these are always tricky for Evolve to promote because they're not allowed to stream the matches involving the WWE talent, but they still have to promote them heavily for live ticket sales. But it's it's kind of tough to be promoting this online for a stream that the big thing you're promoting is not going to be actually part of the show. And I can see that certainly confusing people as well, that they buy the show expecting to see these matches. But it's going to feature Velveteen Dream on Friday, taking on Austin Theory, and then Saturday against Darby Allen on the WWN Live uh, streaming service. We were talking about this on the weekend way. I think this is a great use of that relationship they have with Evolve and someone like Velveteen Dream that I think it would be beneficial beyond this weekend that he'd be going out and working in front of these different crowds and working with uh, talent such as, you know, an Austin Theory or a Darby Allen that's only going to help him as well. I think he's a perfect guy to be using for this that you can send out to some other promotions for that experience. Uh, I completely agree. I'd love to see more talent get the opportunity to kind of branch out and, and go there. But I mean, this is probably a special case. I believe somebody involved with Evolve, it probably was Gabe, uh, mentioned that they had wanted Velveteen Dream for the show because of his history with the building and yeah. in the area. And that was the reason and, and that this might not be, you know, any indication of anything that, that might reoccur with NXT talent. No, they've only done one-offs with Evolve. Like, they, they've sent Adam Cole in the past. It's never anything where they send them there for an extended period. But I think for someone like Velveteen Dream, I mean, I could look at the idea that, you know, we take him off uh, house shows once a month and and just get him in front of a different audience. And Because he's someone that I think, like, this guy's not at the level of an Adam Cole. He is someone that I think is mm-hmm. still very much, pardon the pun, evolving, that this is a this is a very good use of these partnerships and being able to to have your relationships where you can send guys to work with different people and in front of different crowds and that's only going to uh, benefit your experience level that you bring back and you're a, you're a more seasoned performer as a result of it. And last thing here uh, we can mention is Survivor Series weekend. Game Changer Wrestling is going to be running the Friday night. This is a Game Changer Wrestling. They are the the promoters behind all of the Joey Janela series of shows, which had Spring Break 2 over WrestleMania weekend, the Lost in New York show that I recently reviewed over SummerSlam weekend. And this seems to be a good strategy for them, Way is running the Friday night of one of the WWE's big shows of the year. And these are the ones that 
they've really carved out this niche for themselves. And these are the ones that have gotten the most traction is piggybacking off of the major WWE shows this year. Yeah, I think promotions piggybacking off of, you know, the big show in town really is nothing new, uh, at least on a local level. Like even just this past weekend, we had AAW present a uh, a show. Uh, and then there was a show the, the following night after uh, as well, featuring David Arquette in RJ City. Oh, yeah, the Warriors wrestling show. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I guess we don't often hear about like streaming availabilities for, for things like that. And maybe something, you know, the, these Joey Janela shows have gotten a lot of buzz, uh, especially this year. Um, and so I wonder if he'll be involved in one of them or if it's another game changer. Um, so, all right, all of your news, you can find up at postwrestling.com. That takes us into raw from Monday night, Columbus, Ohio at the Schottenstein center, which was never identified uh, by name. It was pretty much just, uh, from the campus of Ohio state university and right off the top, Jonathan coachman is on assignment, Renee young in her place. And I thought Renee did very good on this show. I thought I thought more uh, more smooth than the last time she was on a few weeks ago. I thought she was great. I mean, again, uh, huge improvement over Jonathan Coachman. I wish this move was permanent. Well, who knows? Um, like it's not, and it's not just because I think Renee is better than Coach. It's the vibe that she has uh, that, that 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 she brings to the entire group. She makes Cole and Graves more serious. Um, the whole team is just more serious and doesn't really fuck around as much when, when she's around. Yeah. I also find she's one that she has a lot of credibility as well. She hasn't been out there and exposed that credibility to where I think that her reacting at times to certain things on this show carried more weight than Michael Cole, for instance. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's always a great thing to have that people, uh, see Renee, in a serious role on the commentary team that coachman. I don't think he is able to provide that gravity for major angles. No, coach so, comes across like a guy who's just like really faking it. Like, Oh, anyway, enough. Sorry. They aired a video package, uh, recapping the Braun shield program and last week's uh, alignment with Dolph Ziggler and drew McIntyre. Those three are coming out to start the show. And, Strowman says that that was justice, and he tried to do things face-to-face, but Roman had his brothers save him, and without them, the universal title would have been his, and with them, it never would be. So he had to go about things differently. He doesn't care if the people like it or not. Big dog, I have a pack of my own now, and I'm going to show you that this is my yard, and he's going to break Roman's spirit and his body at Hell in a Cell to take the title. Uh, Now, Unlike Becky Lynch way, they are going full out trying to position Braun Strowman as the heel in this program. Yeah, certainly. I I, I mean, this week, though, I felt like Braun was cheered just the same. Uh, and I would say if they are trying to turn him straight up heel, I don't know if they've really done such a great job of giving him that motivation uh, to the point that, you know, I think the crowd will believe in it. I think... Simply because him wanting to even the odds against Roman Reigns, that does, seems incredibly out of character for Braun to just all of a sudden dislike the audience, uh, talk shit about you know the the, the crowd, and uh, saying I don't care whether or not you guys like it or not. Um, and I get I feel like really at this point the crowd too just still wants to cheer Braun, and therefore in the main event like tonight. In the end, it just kind of turns into a, a tepid reaction because they don't know what to, how to react to him. 
Yeah, and I think that the visual component of it as well is a bit tough for people to accept that Braun would have anything to do with these two people. Like the Braun Strowman character, Mm -hmm. this guy that flips ambulances, and now he's hanging out with the show-off and Drew McIntyre. Yeah. The Braun character, too, is just like a character who should be able to handle three people at once. We've seen him have, uh, you know, um, handicap matches. I mean, granted, it's the shield, but it still feels incredibly incongruent with the character to all of a sudden, um, you know, grab two heels in order to help him. Well, tonight's tonight's objective was to get these three over as the top heel faction on Raw. And that was that was the objective. Drew took over and called themselves. I can only hope this is the, the name that's going to stick away. The Kings of the Jungle. Oh, God. Can you think of the merchandise of, you know, Braun just, you know, torpedoing between trees on a vine? The Kings of the Jungle. I don't know. The Kings of the Jungle, which... I hope not. Typically in WWE promos, like, (laughs) terms like that aren't just coming off the top of the head. It's just those are clear and distinct uh, naming uh, principles for for these acts. What do they call Balor? uh, the, the the extraordinary man the yeah. extraordinary man that does extraordinary things yes yes oh, man. drew proceeded to say that they are going to feast on their bloody carcasses ziggler then says they're going to be the most dominant force in wwe more dominant than the nation of domination <laughs> dx and the shield uh how dominant was the nation of domination i mean Beyond the name, not that dominant. Yeah. A DX, I'll give you. Um, sure. The Nation was an an interesting, like, name our three groups. DX, Shield, Nation of Domination. I saw some ridiculous posts uh, from the WWE either this weekend or last. That, that was, uh, it was a top 10 list of the top 10 stables in professional wrestling. And, like... This did was, the Riot Squad make it? They did not make it. But, oh, man, I wish I could pull this up. I don't even care to look. But it was like number one was something like, uh, uh, I okay, I don't, I don't want to butcher it, so I won't say it. But, like, it, the Nexus made this list. The Nexus made this list above the Freebirds. So I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. All right, well... Wait, you, you've kept everyone just guessing here, so we, we've got to take a look. Okay, I'll, you list. go through the rest of the, the match. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. So after that promo, we had uh, – then we had the Shield come through the crowd, and Baron runs out and sends the, the Raw locker room out to stop the Shield, and they just easily fight these members off. They surround the ring. More members of the locker room come out led by Finn Balor, who got the, the second batch of Raw underlings to come out and start uh, and stop them. They get beaten down. Then we had more people from the locker room come out. The audience is chanting, let them fight. The shield broke free. They ran to the back after Ziggler, McIntyre, and Strowman had gone backstage. Uh, the amount of rapid-fire cuts that were going on during this uh, this way of WWE conveying chaos was just insane. Um, yeah, that was that was I, our opening segment. Well, I feel like I've started to really notice the shaky cam with 
the shield attacks and it was like years ago now and i get obviously that they have to bring it back uh but yeah boy did they bring it back okay so i have the list here this was from the wwe's instagram account and they posted this list uh a day ago okay okay shall we start from the top or the bottom the bottom let's move let's go okay. up <laughs> the 10 best factions <laughs> of all time ever. ever the start of time number 10 the undisputed era okay all time okay they've been together since uh for a year number nine sure. the Freebirds. number eight- faction okay yeah three people number eight the nexus <laughs> wade barrett heath slater um they they had a great introduction justin gabriel uh david otunga and michael tarver michael tarver number seven the heart foundation number six the new day number five number five evolution number four the nwo number three dx number two the four horsemen and at number one the best faction of all time the shield shield. (laughs) yes 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 so amazing come on listen this is this it's this list is targeted to promote its stars and that's fine whatever but man the nexus come on you don't even hire have any of those guys i mean Heath slater's on your staff but that's it anyway did they put the nwo in there number four okay they were in there okay well so we had this insane opening and then we come after the break and the shield has been handcuffed in the back and they are taken away in a police van and renee is asking why weren't the other three arrested very logical question to ask yeah i found an answer i found it interesting like if you remember last time renee was on commentary they did something with dean ambrose as well and renee completely didn't talk um and you know, for obvious reasons, this on this episode because there was so much invol- shield involvement, she did. Th- have this to was talk. a problem for me. It was for me too, because I, you know, I don't think they should hide the fact that they're husband and wife. They haven't. I mean, they've made yeah. jokes about it on their programming, so it's out there. This is not a secret. And but but either- on commentary, Renee kind of has to act like she's somewhat uh, dis- distant from that personal relationship. You know, and and it's, I get it, I get it. Like even as a professional broadcaster, if this was a real life situation, you, I, I, I understand that you would be uh, expected to try to remain uh, impartial. But I think I, I can, I could accept the arrest part. That, but to me, the closing segment, the whole point of that was to make this feel violent and mm-hmm. significant. And if you have this guy's wife just sitting there calling this like anyone else, you're actually bringing down the intensity of this angle because I think that's what everyone is thinking. And Renee being upset, outraged, even just quiet, like Graves saying that Renee has left Mm -hmm. uh, would have added so much gravity because we know that she's watching her husband being annihilated by an entire locker room like this was a significant beatdown. so i had i had much more uh issue with the closing segment than i did this but she is calling her husband's arrest here throughout the show <laughs> yeah i agree i agree i think she should react the way she 
would in real life if this were to happen. I think it, it calls on her to act a bit more, but just even doing like what you suggested of saying she her she left because she couldn't take this. I think would just to address that that personal connect, connection. I think would would make it even more realistic. The eleventh greatest faction of all time, the Riot Squad, were in the ring, and then JoJo introduced returning for the first time in three years. The stars of Total Divas, whose premiere of their next season is September the 19th, the Bella Twins, back on Raw, together. Mm-hmm. Huge yeah. moment. They, they kind of build this as this episode of Raw as the return of two legends, Shawn Michaels and the Bella Twins. You know, well, when the, yeah. I, I don't know if uh, there was uh, a legendary performance in this match but not a positive one you know i'll say in the wwe's world like in a world where the nexus are not uh, eighth eighth best faction of all time i can certainly buy the bella twins being considered legendary i think they'll both eventually be inducted into the hall of fame um but again you kind of have to get into that zone to to just accept that so the match starts there is a choke applied by Liv morgan she's taunting brie brie comes back with her forearms and then Sarah Logan, who Michael Cole notes fancies herself a Viking, was tagged in. Bree's night began with the yes kicks that Corey Graves uh, said were more of a tribute to the, to the Miz instead of Daniel Bryan, which was quite accurate with these kicks. But that was nothing compared to what was still to come. Bree hit these running knees to Logan and Morgan, and then she eyed her target on the floor. And I don't know what the hell happened here. But Brie ran for her first attempt at a suicide dive of the evening. She barely got her feet off the mat, and then she just went down, like, stomach first onto the middle rope, and then just, like, crumpled down to the floor that the announcers tried to cover for and really had no explanation. The, the, spot, was I, a, I, the spot was supposed to be more uh, Logan attacking her before she could execute the suicide dive. Okay, and I'll say... Um, in this instance, I don't exactly know if Bree is the one to blame or if Logan was just too far out of position to attack because Bree was never supposed to execute the suicide dive here. She was supposed to stop short, fall, and like get hit. Well, this looked horrendous. Whoever you want to mm -hmm. place blame upon. Um, then we continued. Bree fought back. She landed this missile drop kick to Logan, and the crowd is cheering her on. She tags in Nikki. Nikki sends Logan to the floor. Ruby is knocked off the apron. And then it looked like Bree gave Nikki a look, like they were going to deliver a double dive to the floor together. But Bree just took off, and she went herself. Her feet hook onto the ropes, and she just plummets down to the floor. This looked frightening. I didn't. I thought she was injured. She amazingly got up and seemed fine. Nikki ended this with the Rack Attack 2.0, uh, which is essentially a TKO pinning Liv Morgan uh, to win this match. And I was I was frightened throughout this watching Brie Bella. Uh, this was this was a very bad match by Raw standards. I would put most of that on Brie Bella and and the suicide dives. I think really kind of dragging this match down by a lot. That second one, there was no excuse there. That was all Brie like. She really needs to work on that. I'm sure in practice she's been able to hit it once or twice, uh, but man, like... This was scary. Like, was, she was extremely lucky she was okay. Her takeoff was just, like, not there. And uh, 
I think, I mean, I know, I know Brian's been starting to do the suicide dive again, but man, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. She really needs to work on it if she wants to continue doing it. L- let me just say, like, I'm I'm very sympathetic to to the Bellas as a big fan of of Total Bellas and Total Divas and following their stories. I think Brie here. It's been mentioned on the show how she's been very self conscious about her body after having her baby. She fe- she's been you know she's talked in the past about feeling the pressure of either being compared to her previous image or compare being compared to her sister. Uh, before feeling even ready to show herself and here she looked exactly the same as as the Brie Bella of old so that and alone I think deserves mention at least for her and her total Bella storyline that simply being in ring shape uh, you know aesthetically was an achievement so congratulations to her there Um, and and I also feel like if your aim is to get the Bellas over as baby faces I think little story points story points like that should be what you're try- aiming to translate for, for the in- actual product. But anyway, um, she did about, like, I think about as good as... for Okay, suicide dive aside, she... Like, Brie Bella was never that great to begin with. Nikki was clearly, you know, the better of the two, the one that, that took the, the wrestling a lot more seriously and advanced more seriously. And, you know, Brie got by here... Um, Nikki, I think looked decent, like looked, you know, looked like Nikki Bella. Um, the match ended up being pretty bad. I would say largely because of the suicide dives, but I think the rest of it was about on par to me with their other performances. Mm. They they were big parts of the match for me. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat and I just thought this was really bad. Um, that's it. I mean, I just, I, I, I thought this was just a mess. Um, Afterwards, Graves said that the two overcame. I'm not, I mean, I wasn't sugarcoating. I, I seriously, if I took, if you take the suicide dives aside, what was that bad uh, compared to other Bella's matches? The kicks looked awful. They um, always look like that. Okay, okay well, like, like that. that's what I'm watching here. Like what I, you're asking to take out significant parts of the match. Like that's all part of the match. So that's what I'm assessing. Okay, so then you probably felt this way about every three Bella match. Uh, they. I cannot recall a recent Brie Bella match that was at at this level. Like this, just had way, like too much. That typically, uh, like you don't you don't see performances like this pretty much at all at this level anymore at WWE. Like it's a very rare occurrence that you see a match like this. Yeah, I agree. There, this is certainly not not of the level that I think in 2018 you should be presenting. Uh, Cole noted he was amazed that Brie was okay after the suicide dive, and then. Uh, Mentioned that it's Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins against the Riot Squad at the Super Showdown event next month. And that would uh, continue to be played up later uh, with Ronda's involvement. Corbin's on the phone with Stephanie stating everything is fine. And we pan to Finn Balor. He wants a rematch tonight against Corbin, who says he's busy. And Balor says that he's using his power to compensate for something. And he tells Corbin to act like a man. But no tricks this week for their match. And they can find out who the better man is. And Corbin then books himself into the main event in two hours' time. So now that Baron Corbin has taken over the show, he knows uh, where to place himself. He's no longer going to be putting himself in openers on the show. No, he's the main event. We had a SmackDown Live promo built around uh, this week. uh, The continuation of the Charlotte-Becky feud as well as the three-way tag match, which will feature English and Rusev, Sanity, and the Usos. 
Charlie Caruso then interviewed our newest tag team, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. They're excited for their match. They're debuting as a team tonight. Gable says he has been captivated of late by how Bobby Roode carries himself in the spotlight. I want in on that. Of all the people to be looking at, way from the locker room, Chad Gable has eyed Bobby Roode. I want in on that dude. Yeah, yeah. Sort of an odd uh, character change for Chad Gable, who now is basically just a big admirer of Bobby Roode's, in particular, maybe his, uh, uh, I guess, uh, showmanship. Uh, and he's now somebody who is literally stealing the spotlight uh, during by stepping in front of him during his entrances. Yes, that is literally the, uh, the dynamic between these two. Um, the Ascension are in the ring. They call Bobby Roode a flash in the pan that couldn't cut it as a singles uh, performer. And then Connor calls Gable a sawed-off duck butt. Yeah. I've Not never really heard that sure. ever. Yeah. Does he even have a duck butt? He seems to have a pretty perfect posture to me. I think that he... John Cena is a duck butt. Yeah, but not just a duck butt, a sawed-off duck butt. Oh, so just the butt of the duck, not even the top half. I guess not, yeah. Okay. And, um, this was met with silence, by the way, and the announcers kind of just giggling at whatever this man just said. Yeah. So then our match begins. Rude and Gable against the Ascension. I thought Gable looked great in this match. Uh, he would come in and just suplex Victor and Connor all over the place. And then Bobby Roode came in to apply a rear chin lock. Uh, then Connor took over. He applied a rear chin lock. Then Gable got tagged in. We went back to the suplexes. He did a cannonball off the apron, a missile dropkick, and the chaos theory to pin Victor in five minutes. Roode has this look of stunned amazement on his face as the announcers state, it's good to be seeing Bobby smiling again. So I guess, I guess there was a whole depression storyline we missed out on, but he's happy again. And, you know, I imagine that these two are just going to be played for comedy off one another. Mm -hmm. I think these two could be a really great team if they were serious about them, but I don't believe they're going to be serious about this team. Yeah, I'm happy to see these two at least get a storyline and get some TV time, but uh, I do think they have some, you know, comedic potential. But, man, seeing their recent efforts with the B team or even, like, the Fashion Police or any of their other comedy tag teams, I'm not at all confident. And beyond that, I don't think we need another comedy tag team. So, no, like the, these two could get over together like as a great tag team. Um, but that just seems to be, you know, we take two loose ends, put them together and hope for mid-card comedy, which you're right. There's such a plethora of them it's, on Raw. It's how they know to get people over is they think it's it's all humor seems to be the only way for for a lot of those guys. I think, you know, Ziggler, uh, McIntyre, AOP kind of being the ex- exceptions, but those guys are heels. It feels like. If you have a babyface tag team to get over, they need to make them comedy gags. So, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I didn't think the match was... I thought Gable looked great as always. He's a guy who seems to take full advantage of his airtime. Um, but the match was completely cold because the audience didn't care about them yet. Elias was in the ring. He sings about living in an insane world. And everyone's got to follow him to the promised land. He dislikes women that hit men. And that's what Trish Stratus did last week. She embarrassed herself... And then he goes on to insult Columbus and the Ohio State Buckeyes. He asks, what is a Buckeye anyway? It, they have to have the least intimidating mascot. And this crowd is furious at their school being insulted. 
And he says, it's not like the Wolverine in Michigan, which just drew enormous heat. And he says that this place produces rotten people. And he goes to play again when he is interrupted by Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox. Bliss, who is from Columbus and wearing a custom Ohio-themed T-shirt that they were selling, notes her birthplace being here, and she graduated high school in this very building. She did the, the Ohio chant with the audience and then turned on them, telling Elias that that is the sound of the mindless Ohio imbeciles who are a bunch of sheep and mindless zombies, and she couldn't wait to get out of this city. She mocks some of the zombies from her high school. Look where you are. Look where I am. And she's become a bigger star, the biggest star to come out of this city. And she brings up the message that Trish is sending to younger people by slapping those that are more talented. And she bonds with Elias, starts flirting with him to play his song, and then is interrupted by Ronda Rousey. Uh, I thought Elias and Alexa were really great in this segment together. I agree. I think that both of them are, are two of the best heels in the company and as far as, you know, um, talking goes. And they both did really great jobs here with this audience. And we got the standard, the 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 false, sincere heel. She does it promo. the best, though. She is very good at it. Mm-hmm. She is she's the best one. So Ronda comes out, accompanied by Natalia. And that was uh, to set up our match here with Alexa Bliss and Natalia. Natalia placed the bunny ears onto a fan at ringside. And then Fox and James attack Natalia in the corner behind the official's back, which leads to a DDT by Alexa. And then she looks at Ronda, sets up the arm breaker. Natalia, it's applied. Natalia screams and has to tap out at 314. Uh, Fairly quick match between the two. And she's not letting go until Rousey uh, chases her off. She's checking on Natalia. And then in comes Alicia. Oh, my God, these throws. She delivered three of these throws to Alicia Fox where I I thought this woman is going to wake up with uh, whiplash tomorrow. They look amazing. Holy Christ. And they look incredibly painful. <laughs> like, I think it's one thing to see Ronda execute this on, like, you know, a bantamweight in the UFC uh, resisting it. But against a cooperative opponent, uh, like, lighter than her, like Alicia Fox, I mean, Jesus, they looked painful and that means they looked amazing there's no one in wrestling who can replicate throws like these these are throws that take a lifetime of practice to perfect and man it's like they're beautiful to watch it makes me think of aaron true when i watch these remember him did he get thrown like this oh yes oh wow he did it for one of his videos with ronda so after these incredible throws by Mm -hmm. ronda Alexa comes from behind and chop blocks the knee, sends her to the floor, and sends uh, Rousey into the steps. And interesting here that they still had Ronda get in her comeback, where she delivered like these weak-looking punches to fend off Alexa because she's selling the ribs and the knee. And it actually uh, looked realistic that these punches should be weak. And she goes back to check on Natalia and then shoots the death glare at the three women leaving. So uh, even though they did the big attack here, it was Ronda was still standing by the end of this and not just laid out by the heels. Yeah, no, I think it's important for them to like position Ronda as like a, a real monster amongst the women's division. Somebody who you can certainly uh, get a one-up on maybe a little bit, but not somebody who can be completely laid out, I suppose. They've really protected her in that sense. The match was really, there wasn't much of it to comment on. 
Uh, overall, it was just really felt like it was an angle done to push Ronda versus Alexa, and I thought both came across well. I almost had to like remind myself that that match was happening because last week we saw Alexa interact with Trish, and I remember now that she had that has that Ronda match first. So, or was that is it after? I'm still confused. Yeah, it's you know I said last week how I feel you can promote separate shows, but. I was a bit confused here, too, because I had to take a second to think about it. We have Ronda and Alexa is the Hell in a Cell match. And then Alexa's got the Trish match with Evolution. Meanwhile, Ronda also has a tag match at Super Showdown. If you can keep all that straight. Mm -hmm. So a lot coming up. And we're going to get a lot of this over the next couple of weeks. Mike Rome has been sent to the local precinct, and he reports that the shield have been processed and fingerprinted. Uh, yeah, uh, beginning beginning uh, uh, an evening of um, Mike Rome storytelling via Twitter. Yes, yeah. the Twitter reporter himself. Yeah. Corbin tells one of the PAs to go take care of his Rolex. Hey, this man has quite the collection of watches. Um, somebody posted something up there uh, on the internet, on Reddit, I believe, where that just showcased like, this man's watch collection that he's appeared on TV with throughout his career. I, and these watches are like priced like oh, wow. in the tens of thousands of dollars. So he's really got quite the collection of expensive watches. That's insane. Could you former, imagine former collecting NFL watches? Player. Yeah, former NFL player, I guess. Wow. Braun, Ziggler, and McIntyre walk in. Ziggler calls it their show now. He says since Rollins has been arrested, he can't invoke his rematch clause. And now they want to have a tag title match instead. Corbin says any other Monday, no problem. But tonight the Revival have a tag title match. So Drew asks, what would happen if the Revival weren't good to go tonight? And Corbin says, well, that would be a different story. I'd have to make other arrangements. So they walk off. Strowman then demands some competition tonight and tells Baron to do his job. We cut to the revival. You will not believe what happened. They were being interviewed by Charlie Caruso, explaining how they don't watch Raw. They referred to the B team as a Burt and Ernie tag team, and then they get jumped by Ziggler and Drew McIntyre and left for dead here on the floor. The poor revival uh, just yeah. extinguished. Yeah, sucks for the there, there is nothing worse than being the, the secondary heel being beaten down by the primary heels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it sucks for them, but I really like these two segments. I liked watching the two play out between two separate types, sets of interviews, um, and I think overall it makes sense that a heel GM like Corbin would allow this sort of corrupt technicality to occur. I wonder if they were planning originally to put the titles on the revival and then realize that you know this is our priority, and I believe they made the right decision to elevate these tag titles. They put them on the pushed act instead of, you know, I'd love to see the Revival have a run with these titles, but they would be at a much lower level. It felt to me like on this edition of Raw that there were a number of resets done to storylines, and maybe this being one of them between the B team and the Revival, because there really seemed to be zero indication that uh, Ziggler McIntyre or Zigmac as I like to call them. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Zigmac have, have have had any set their sights at all on the tag team titles. Uh, so And, and be, it's this. It's also like uh, uh, something that was to come later on that I felt like maybe seemed so different from what came before that they might have just decided to just, you know, cut their losses with the B team, with the revival, and just 
go with something else instead. The B team come out. They introduce the revival twice. They don't come out. Instead, Ziggler and McIntyre take their place, and we have a title match. Drew starts delivering belly-to-belly suplexes to Axel. Then Dallas pulls down the top rope, and Drew falls down to the floor. And then Bo runs at Dolph and gets nailed with this hard clothesline and sent both to the floor. They go to a break. Uh, Drew was in control then of Bo when they come back. Dallas fought off the turnbuckle, landed a tornado DDT. We get the the hot tag to Axel, who comes in. He delivers the the Kurt Hennig neck snap, fires up the crowd, goes for the perfect plex, uh, but then McIntyre makes the save. McIntyre then runs Dallas into the turnbuckle as the illegal man. He's out. Dolph with a super kick. Claymore zigzag combo. And McIntyre pins Axel. They beat the champions. And we have new Raw tag champions. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't mind at all this hot shotting of the tag, tag belts here. Because I think really this B-team comedy run has already gone on for too long. I think your comedy tag team division has already gone on for way too long. So I don't mind the sudden pivot in direction. I now believe that they are going to do Zigmac versus Ambrose and Rollins. Yeah, it's a major tag title program, which they have not had one in a long time on Raw. Mm-hmm. So I think this was the right move to make. Elevates the tag titles by just the sheer fact that it's being on two pushed characters as opposed to a, a mid-card comedy tag team. that yeah. It's been on for several months now. Then we had the most bizarre shot in the back where I just shook my head. I was like, what am I watching? It's the Authors of Pain with Drake Maverick who is dressed up in their gear. I didn't know what was going on. This was like a meteor coming out from outer space and just landing in front of me. It wouldn't be so bad if Drake Maverick wasn't looking so ridiculous dressed up in that AOP gear next to these. He should not have been in that gear. They made essentially like a mini version of that SWAT team vest, which, by the way, if if you don't know the AOP uh, and if you just know the shield, it must have been incredibly confusing seeing this trio pop up after the shield on the same show wearing the exact same thing. But, yeah, and Drew and Drake Maverick, who's always in like a really nice suit on mm-hmm. 205 Live, and he is the yeah. We, we will discuss this. The outfit made it look like comedy, and I don't think that was the intent at all, and I don't think it was necessary. No, no. Even if you were going. Uh, with this this idea so maverick comes out with the aop and he identifies himself as the 205 live general manager which is probably a necessary identification or at least update for the majority of the audience but says he is also the manager of the authors of pain and is going to make these men the tag champions so they murdered a team consisting of jimmy james and keith thompson in 55 seconds with the Super Collider, and Akam getting the pinfall. I actually feel like we might have met either Keith Thompson or Jimmy James this weekend. Do you remember like being at StarCast at the booth next to us? With yes. uh, Black and Brave? Oh, no. Are you kidding me? It looked like this gentleman. And I know he was a wrestler. Uh, somebody who trains uh, or, or t- does is somewhat involved with uh, Seth Rollins. Black and Brave Academy in Dallas. Yeah, we gave this guy a shirt. <laughs> uh, we gave him his a colleague a shirt, but the, the the guy wearing the hat with the goatee, the handlebar goatee, I am almost positive that he was either Keith Thompson or Jimmy James. It would make total sense to make that drive from uh, Schaumburg to, you know, uh, Raw the next day. So I don't quote me on that, but anyway, whatever. I'm, I'm going to quote you on it. I've okay. got the photos. Oh, my God. You're totally right. You, you have, have the photos. Totally r- yeah, they have him up on the website. Oh, okay. The, the guy in blue who I believe the that bald was... Man. The The bald guy. Yeah, that was absolutely... 
the guy at the booth right next to us all day Saturday mm-hmm. uh, from Seth Rollins. Uh, yeah, from his uh, from his training school. Mm-hmm. So Isn't that cool? Go. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. I really like- given him the T-shirt. We maybe would have just uh, <laughs> snuck it out onto Raw. Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> AOP versus post wrestling. That'd be great. Listen, uh, I uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to comment on, on Spud if you had, unless you had any. That's what I was going to uh, segue to as well. I, I really like the pairing. I mean, I think it was inevitable that Spud would be called up to the main roster. Tool Five Live is a great tryout for him, but man, like I think the real money in that guy is him as a manager for a team like the Authors of Pain, who clearly need it on the main roster. I'm fine with that, but I feel they need to pick one role or the other. I agree. Yes. Um, I don't like this dual role. Because um, he's a baby he, face on 205 Live. Exactly. He is like the epitome of baby face. And now he is this this spokesman for these two monsters on Raw. This is way worse to me than the Brie Bella alternate reality we have on Monday and Tuesdays. So that's fine. Um, but I will say, watching the final segment where he was featured half prominently, I almost wonder, like, you could have just thrown Drew Gulak in this role almost. I agree. I agree there too. I think Gulak's another guy who, who'd be fantastic as as a potential manager or tag team partner for somebody on the main roster. Yeah. And maybe they like the size discrepancy with, with Drake Maverick. And mm-hmm. I, I listen, I think Drake Maverick is tremendous, but you've got to choose one or the other, I feel. I completely agree. I don't expect him. I mean, I think he has more value as uh, AOP's manager than he does as 205 Live GM. So I would expect that they would take him off of 205 Live eventually. Either that or they, I guess they could turn him heel on 205 Live, which I, I don't think mm. they need to do. Yeah, they're getting kind of heavy on the, the, the heel authority figures. Uh, yeah. And get him out of the, the gear. So put him in a nice suit. Those suits would work. Like Paul Ellering didn't have to dress in that SWAT team gear. You know, Managers no. don't have to look the same as the people that they're managing. He looks really silly in it, yeah. so it, it's not uh, it's not a terrible idea. I would just tweak uh, some things mm-hmm. to to make it work because this was something that just felt plucked out of nowhere. Well, this and the previous, I think, B team, you know, title change to me felt mm-hmm. like they were resets on this tag team division. Well, the I mean, the revival thing that was clearly they changed plans over the past week mm-hmm. and after they had announced it. So I think that was certainly the case. Then we had Ronda Rousey with Natalia in the locker room. And Natalia just keeps repeating that she doesn't feel herself. She's not feeling very good. And the Bellas walk in. I will say this. Listen, I know I was, I was very harsh on the, on the match earlier. Their, uh, their roles together on Raw, where they are, you clearly can see that they are turning. But they have, like, the fake sincerity, they have down really well. I think it's natural to them, especially Nikki. They this were who they are. I really like them here. Uh, it's yeah, Nikki. She's there. They come in. They assess the situation, and Nikki goes, "I feel so bad." And Brie goes, "Me too." Like it's just it's so insincere, and it's perfect because that's the tone they want to have. Natalia takes off, and the Bellas are just putting over Ronda. She will be the greatest champion they've ever had, and. Then just subtly Nikki notes that there is more to being a champion than winning matches. And Ronda has inspired them to return to the WWE. And they offer to be training partners for Ronda, who says that Natty's already been a great training partner. And then they add that we're also here if you need any advice on television shows, books, fashion, just any fashion. The UFC. 
<laughs> and that, did they mention the UFC in no, there? No, but I'm saying oh, you might as like, well. That would have been a great line. Like, if coming I here it. and telling Ronda Rousey, someone who clearly doesn't need much help in making money, writing books, okay, uh, managing her, her, her brand, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's such a, I think, I thought this was such a clearly heel thing. And they just end it with, take care of those ribs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- th- this, the bells were very good here in this segment. I think it was good writing for the two of them because, like, I feel like they can't help but come across as insincere when they're uh, being put together. When they're with Daniel Bryan, it's, it seems totally different. But, like, when they're on their own, they're just so unlikable. And I find, I find this to be an interesting contrast to how they were in ring where I don't feel like the audience reacted negatively to them at all. At least their audience, which, you know, was much of a, much more of a higher-pitched, assumedly maybe more female-dominated audience, they loved them. They, like, see these two as relatable characters that they follow, either on Total Bellas or social media or something else. Um, and then we didn't even get that much, that much backlash from, you know, the typical boos that you hear that are typically a bit more lower lower pitch. Uh, in the match, at least, but on this segment, it was it felt totally subtle heel. Shawn Michaels comes out. They had promoted this for a week in advance. First, he plugs his T-shirt. Then he just like so awkwardly promotes the WWE Network. Following that up, just saying, you know, go get the WWE Network. It was just like. Uh, Anyway, he really, said uh, he said that, and then he said, "Yes, after you get on the WWE Network, you can purchase WWE Super Showdown." This man has never ever been on the WWE Network. I would hope that he has, because the guy's coaching at NXT. So I would just hope that he has access to watch those matches. But I have mean, I never. Do you remember? The, I, I started thinking that 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 GIF of when he's on the America Online and he's like got his <laughs> his eyes all squinted and he's trying to push the button <laughs> yeah, one by right. one. Yeah, that's it. That <laughs> that's what I thought of here. Oh, clearly, like I mean, Shawn Michaels is doesn't seem like a man who's that all that caught up with technology. And like even if he watches the the WWE Network. I probably don't expect him to know how to order it, okay, and go through all those hoops. So this was just like it felt very unnatural and awkward from Shawn Michaels, who's clearly not used to the modern age of plugging a bunch of shit on TV. Yeah, this was uh, completely unnecessary in this segment. He said he's going to fly 98 hours to Australia to see this match because we will never see it again. And then he adds... I can almost guarantee it. I I love that he added that line in there. Like, eh, it is WWE. He saw the predictions last week, and he's surprised that so many people picked The Undertaker to win. And he could understand if the WrestleMania streak was still intact, but it isn't. I hope Michaels understands this isn't WrestleMania that's coming up in a month. Maybe he means, like, you know, The Undertaker was so much more dominant when the streak was alive. Now he's a beatable man. But he mentions that him and Austin have agreed that Hunter will win. And he goes over his 20-year friendship with Triple H. He's still the game. He's still the cerebral assassin. And he has more left in the tank than The Undertaker. The cerebral assassin is going to cerebrally assassinate The Undertaker. I actually typed it in expecting Microsoft Word to underline it in red. But cerebrally is actually a word. Wow. Cool. So the wordsmith himself, Shawn Michaels. The lights go out, and we hear the gong. And then out came all these penises. (laughs) 
The Undertaker comes out. All-time great reaction by Michael Cole. He says, no one in this arena was expecting this. I was like, it was reported this afternoon. It was heavily speculated upon. (laughs) He then doubles down. He goes on to say, I guarantee you, no one in the world expected The Undertaker to be here tonight. Not one person in the world. Way. Not anyone that uh, might have read this on PWInsider.com this afternoon. No one that uh, oh, they don't Dave count. Meltzer mentioned this over the weekend. Uh, Nobody. Hey, we Nobody. don't. We, none of those people count. We don't count, John. It's only the WWE universe that counts. I love. I love this. This was. This, this is what I. It, it's a. It's a joke. But this is where I talk about like credibility uh, and meaning stuff that Michael Cole has minimal amounts, and it, it's little things like this that I you mean, just. I can't. You can't get too angry about that, man. Like, no, I, I'm just. It's it's indicative of a of a larger thing. Like yeah. a a Jim Ross, for instance, would never say that line because oh. there's 20 percent of the people watching this that probably were expecting the Undertaker on this show, and you just sound like a fool. I'll tell you, I didn't know. I wasn't reading. Uh, I'm not saying news. everyone, but I'm saying like you know a, a vast. Uh, I would say a vast number were probably expecting this, and this was just I don't know. I, I believe in announcers having credibility. I feel that that's a major issue that doesn't get discussed enough with WWE commentary. And it's this is not uh, in and of itself a massive deal, but it's a continued pattern that I think Michael Cole has put himself in, that he is not that trusted voice that uh, creates new fans and is that, that bridge to selling the product. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure he's being told to sell this like it's a big surprise. From the you can do that. You can do that without sounding like a fool. Um, so Undertaker comes out and he tells Sean, "This just became personal." And he said he reached into Sean Michaels' soul, and your egos can't accept it. Which everyone knew Sean Michaels was an egomaniac, but now we're learning he had multiple egos. Hmm. He says, you chose Hunter to win because I took away your career. And Michaels denies that. He says, I've never come back because I'm a man of my word. I had to restore faith in the system. All these bullshit retirements in wrestling. He says, anyone else in this industry can go back on their word in six weeks or six months, but not him. He's a man of honor and integrity. He stayed retired for the system, for the fans, and for you. The whole place starts chanting one more match. Michael says, I hear these chants every time I show up. I have to hear every year half the locker room begging me for a dream match. Every year I'm turning down millions of dollars for another match. But I don't take it because I stay retired out of respect to you. And he goes to leave and Taker says, are you staying retired out of respect or fear? And the audience gasped at this notion. So Undertaker's talking shit here to him. Michaels turns around and Undertaker says, if you came out of retirement, there's only one person you'd come for. It's me. And I'd put you down all over again. And in Australia, I'm going to put your buddy down. This whole segment that was to build this Hunter match, it was like the like just this quick I, little thing shoehorned at the end. But man, this was the segment of the show. I was amazed because I thought 
we were building up to Triple H versus The Undertaker. And the end result of this just makes Triple H versus The Undertaker feel like a precursor, second-level boss to the ultimate fun finale that I think this entire audience and everybody watching at home after the segment wants, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. I, I don't know how you could possibly come out of this segment not thinking Shawn's doing another match. And I, I, I have no idea if he is or not. I, like but if it, you're it not could, delivering that, this yeah. segment is mind-boggling. It could be the case that they're doing Taker versus Michaels at some point. But man, like, or it could be that these two were just given a lot of leeway to go out there and try to improvise to sell this Triple H match. And somehow this was the direction that it just led to. They if, somehow if that, built if, up another if, match. If, if, as you described it, is how that was given, th- this was a big failure then. That's I, the only thing you could say because, uh, A, it really, uh, to your point, downplayed the Australia match that yeah. that was the whole point of this segment. And, B, you have now – this was the Austin Brock Lesnar podcast tease times yeah. 20 because it was such a bigger audience that left this believing Shawn Michaels is doing another match. Knowing Triple H is involved in this program, I can't see him wanting – himself to feel like a secondary precursor to anybody's match even his best friend so i can't see this being the direction intended direction at all coming out of this segment and i think that it was telling because when they replayed the segment they only played the triple h sound bites and nothing oh that's a that's a great observation yeah so i don't know what happened here uh anyway it was interesting yeah and you know, I, I peg it super low of Shawn Michaels doing another match again. Mm-hmm. I I was one that I didn't believe he would uh, come back to do it. I don't say 0% chance. But if he is, I would not be doing this now. I would be teasing this after the Hunter match. and Completely. Like, yeah, yeah it's... The timing it a, felt, felt weird, too. Yeah. Yeah, for, for many reasons. Um, if you were going to tease this, I would not have been doing it on the, the Labor Day Raw um when you're specifically building to another match in four weeks, mm-hmm. so this was a very this will be a segment that will be dissected all week long and probably uh, beyond this. And then maybe Sean will do an interview saying, oh, "I don't know what we were doing up there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this yeah. network. I don't. I don't know how it works. I was just. I just want to plug my T-shirt." <laughs> Finn Balor's in the locker room. Baron Corbin walks in. He's been on the phone all night. He's dealing with the Shield stuff. There's just too much on his plate. No match tonight for him. Uh, but Balor will get to be in the main event against Braun Strowman. The Shield, our latest from Mike Rome, they appeared in front of a judge. Amazing that they could get uh, a court date within hours on a Monday night in Ohio. That's where you want to get arrested. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, 24-hour courts. Don't have to wait overnight. Don't yeah. have to be held. I guess in an they, arraignment, you, you don't need a judge, do you? Uh, they they specifically said they appeared in front of a judge. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, so maybe they woke him up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Had to come down to the courthouse. Skype, skyped him. Maybe they've been charged with inciting a riot, criminal damage, and disorderly conduct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have the riot squad been charged with all these times and all these uh you know cutting ties literally? Knocking over items backstage. I mean, they promote themselves as such. Bad characterization is what I charge them for. <laughs> Next up was Sasha Banks and Bailey against the uh, the Dream Team. Dana Brooke and Ember Moon. Dana comes out yeah. with Titus Worldwide. Uh, did you catch her entrance here? She did this no hands cartwheel coming from the back. Oh, like just like jump. 
Yeah. Pretty cool. I feel like yeah. she's done that, hasn't she? She probably has. I just noticed it this week. It's her it's her background in like fitness competitions, right? Uh I guess so. She's uh you know, very athletic. Bailey and they cut to Bailey and Sasha who are hugging each other in the most uh insincere way. This just looked like I don't know. It just looked mm. so silly. They went to a break right away. Uh, there was a point in this match where the referee legitimately missed the tag, so Dana and Ember Moon had to redo the tag. Uh, Dana yells because Titus Worldwide had been arguing amongst each other, trying to shout advice to her. She yells, enough! I got this! And then misses a handspring going into the corner. Sasha rolls her up for the win. And the idea here is that Titus and Apollo cost her the match with their uh, differing points of view. She walks off saying she's had it with both of them. She's left. So is this, do you think this is the end of the statistician Dana Brooke? Oh, God. I would give it a 46.5% chance. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Because, I mean, no real tease of this Apollo love story they've been trying to tease over the past several weeks. Uh, Like, seeing how much they've reset some of these other programs on this show, it wouldn't completely surprise me if they would just decide to have Dana be out of Titus Worldwide after this. How about if I told you the night after WrestleMania this year that there's going to be a segment involving Sasha Banks, Bailey, the uh, the most recent call-up, Ember Moon, and Dana Brooke, and the entire segment will be focused upon Dana Brooke? Would be weird. Yeah, I wouldn't have really expected it. Um, like, clearly very different between main roster and NXT, how that kind of works. Oh, boy. Then we're outside Baron Corbin's office where Bobby Lashley walks out with a piece of paper. And Charlie, who is uh, not reporting via text message, she's actually there in person. She comes over and she starts reading it. It's a performance review. The most impressive thing of this segment was Charlie reading the performance review and Lashley uh, reading it with his lips as she read the performance review. Mouthing the words was what I was looking for. It includes the description that Lashley has a dangerous and malicious side, and he has been ordered for an in-ring meditation session tonight with Jinder Mahal. Mm -hmm. And Charlie asked him about what he makes of all this. He admits he is a little tense, and he looks forward to meeting um, the the distant uh, nephew of Scott, Jinder Hall. Jinder Hall, yes, I heard that. Yeah, Jinder Hall <laughs> and finding his inner peace. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, going for this kind of sarcastic. He's sarcastically excited thing. Kept saying, "My, my man. man, my man." Yeah, I don't know what he was going for here. Uh, I think he was going for like you know pretending to be ex- uh, excited, but. He just watched a bunch of Conor McGregor videos and has picked up this my man thing. Does Conor do it? I don't. I didn't know that. Yeah, he does that. Or okay. at least he did when he was uh, more in the public eye. Yeah, I don't know if it was working for Lashley. Oh, wait, I, I was really that w- just the fact that they teased this segment was to come was mm-hmm. a lot. Thankfully, it was short. We immediately went to it. Jinder comes out with Sunil. Uh, have you seen any of the? Uh, Pictures from Samir Singh, who's oh, yeah. been out forever. Yeah. Dude, this dude is jacked. Well, he's had a lot of time off from uh, 
being on TV, and that means you can spend a lot of that time on in the gym, and uh, quite the transformation on, on him. So Jinder is out with Sunil. Bobby comes out. There's a big rug in the middle of the ring, and Mahal starts the meditation segment. They sit down. Thing with this segment is like it wasn't even funny. Like there was nothing it to was, this it either. Sucked. Yeah, it's it's just. Like, yeah, I could put it up was... with stupidity if, like, it's at least amusing and ironically funny. This had none of it. Don't it wasn't you... a well-written segment. Don't you think, though, something like this was just meant to suck? I mean, come on. The Jinder Mahal meditation intervention? Um, like, to me, I feel like the whole idea was just to kind of get you not thinking that this would turn into some type of violent attack. Yeah, I think by the end of it, it was... It was... You know, I'm not even going to say that. Let's uh, let's just uh, cut to the chase here. They're they're meditating. Bobby's got his eyes closed, and then Kevin Owens attacks Bobby Lashley from behind. Jinder joins in on the attack. Owens super kicks him, and then power bombs him on the edge of the apron. I thought for the gravity of a guy quitting, uh, this feels like a very easy out uh, to just bring him back the very next week. Um, that I almost thought you like wasted an angle that could have been saved and, and used with an actual idea in mind other than this. Um, but that said, uh, Kevin Owens is back, apparently feuding with Lashley. Uh, how did you how did you like this segment? I, I think uh, I, I enjoyed seeing the serious, violent, crazy Kevin Owens, much like we saw maybe when he initially uh, attacked Sami Zayn in NXT. Um, and I think it was especially required here because we're talking about a Kevin Owens who just spent the summer jobbing to Braun, Braun Strowman. He needs to feel like a threat again. And I thought his demeanor and his actions here were were good enough that it made him feel like a hot character again. Um, you know, we have to kind of suffer through this meditation intervention to get there. But I mean, I, I, I think I understand their method to it, though. You know, have something completely ridiculous that... And contrast that with the seriousness of a Kevin Owens attack. Yeah, I, I didn't mind this, the payoff to this segment and the attack. I guess I just looked at last week. I, w- I would save just like something like that for something important, something that has a better payoff to it than yeah than what they did. Like it almost just felt like that was these. I don't know. It just felt like we, it felt like something this week where it's like, yeah, we, we don't have really any resolution to this guy quitting. It's just like there was nothing. There was. Nothing to entice him to come back. No, nothing that was warranted uh, to me of like the angle of the guy quitting last week, where you had all these people speculating about different ideas, and it was just not even a week. He's off TV. Yeah, yeah. The next time, I this- think he could have just stormed off last week, and then we just don't see him until this attack. I think you would have had the same thing, and you don't uh, you don't raise expectations of like a payoff to this angle. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think they do the I'm quitting thing maybe a bit much. Uh, they were really heavily promoting this new show called The Purge that debuts right after SmackDown that I think we are going to hear over and over and over on Tuesday night. Uh, and to promote this series starting, we got clips of John Cena and Batista from Extreme Rules 2010 in a last man standing match. John Cena, who, by the way, debuted a new finisher this weekend in Shanghai. Did you watch the move? I did. There's a thread about it on uh, on our message board. Oh, uh, he debuted Positive his... or negative? Well, let me just tell you even what, what the name of the move is. It, 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 John... The Lightning Fist, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, weeks ago, John Cena promised in a video that he would debut a sixth move of Doom, uh, in addition to his famed five moves of Doom. And he debuted it this weekend in Shanghai. 
the Lightning Fist. And this is just, he's been training with the Jackie Chan stunt team. I believe he's in a movie with Jackie Chan coming up soon. Um, ooh, yikes, sorry. I'm... I'm playing the video myself here. But basically, let me let me give you some play-by-play here. John Cena delivers the attitude adjustment. He motions to the crowd, uh, spreading his arms out, trying to get the crowd to, to cheer. He's, he's just building this whole thing up, crosses his arms in his side, just like a Goku. And then he delivers this sprinting back fist, which uh, knocks, it looks like, Elias out cold. Uh, and he wins the move with this Kung Fu back fist. And, uh, it is different. <laughs> I yep. think, I think it's hilarious. So, I mean, we're talking about a John Cena now who I think at this point, uh, just wants to have fun, wants to entertain, wants to, uh, I don't know, endear himself to his, uh, uh, uh youth, younger audience and to the Chinese audience, I bet. So, uh, I actually love it. Yeah, I I was watching it, and I was expecting, like, he was just going to nail this guy in the face. Like, this big, this big punch to the face. And when you see it delivered, like, it feels much more like Santino's Cobra. But it's an over-exaggerated, I think, kung fu type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. With a, with a lot of theatrics. I mean, it's 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 like a people's elbow or the worm. Um, I wonder if he'll continue using it this side of the of the ocean. I hope he does. I love it. They announced next week. Next week is the return of Monday Night Football, so they are beefing up Raw. Triple H will be on the show uh, to give us his assessment of the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also back on the show next week is Mick Foley who will be celebrating 20 years since his Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker. And maybe uh, we'll bl- see Foley versus Taker next. Well, well they had done uh, one of his, uh, they did one of his, like his, they filmed one of his uh, speaking shows. And I think that's going to be airing on the WWE Network right after Raw. I think oh, that's what okay. he's there to promote. He's uh, not there to build up to another match with The Undertaker like Sean. Well, he's probably not there to build up to it, but if they just let them have their way, maybe maybe that will be the match we have coming out. We're going to have Undertaker with you know a year's worth of programs between yeah. Hunter, Foley, and, and Shawn Michaels coming out of next week. Awesome. Also announced for next week, Alexa Bliss and Alicia Fox against Ronda Rousey and Natalia. So, yeah, really stacking things up to uh, combat football next week. Cool. Then we get our final update. The Shield has left the precinct after posting bail and are being released on their own recognizance. They have left. Okay. I wonder if they can make it back in time. We've only got 20 minutes left. They let them even keep their SWAT vests, which uh, if you're normally arrested, I'm not sure if you're allowed, but okay. Yeah. Main event, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman. We had Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler in Braun's corner. Throughout the match, Balor was trying to apply a sleeper, and Braun kept breaking free. They went through the commercial. Braun got caught with a sling blade, but then he took over back inside the ring. Another sleeper is applied. It's broken into the uh, corner. And then it led up to a spot where Balor took out all three men on the floor with a Topicon hero. The audience is getting behind him, but then Braun just pops up, sends him back in. There's an enziguri off the apron. Balor climbs to the top, and he's setting up for the coup de grace, but Strowman stops him. So Balor awkwardly tries to pull guard, 
And Michael Cole says that he's going for a triangle, but his legs are wide open. There is no attempt to get around this man's neck. Uh, So it was basically an open guard where he was pulling down on Braun's head. Yeah, like a like a high guard, like can opener type of thing. But I mean, I I, I feel like there are double arm triangles. Um, whether or not he was actually going for it, I, I don't know. Strowman, uh, it didn't work very well because he just broke out of this, hit a power slam, and pinned Finn. Mm-hmm. Which Poor- will upset some, but Braun is going to be... Braun is ah, clear. Man. Like, this whole show was about building up Braun for the next title challenge and making him the big heel. It was also for to further, I think, uh, you know, to add heat to the Corbin-Balor program because Corbin, once again, outsmarted Balor and put him into this terrible situation. Um, I, you know, like, knowing that they have this demon that, that they'll bring out every once in a while, I mean, I think they're a lot more open to having normal human being Finn Balor, non-demon Balor, feel like a bit of a jobber in the middle of the pack because demon Balor is supposed to be... You know, when you play the video game, his rating's supposed to be maybe through the roof. I get that, man, but I just, it kind of sucks. The, the man sucks. Yeah, I think that's what they need to do in order to show that differentiation between the two. So the three are in the ring, that being Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre. They keep attacking Balor. Renee calls this disgusting. And they set up for the shield powerbomb. Or maybe it was the Jay Lethal, Flip Gordon... Uh, Cole Cabana powerbomb or whoever the three were on Saturday. It was, it was those three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So they set up for the shield powerbomb onto the steps when a siren rings. And of course, everyone's thinking of Scott Steiner. It's not Scott Steiner. The, the police van backs into the arena and out comes Roman who has incredible uh, maneuvering skills in this van. Backed it out perfectly. He drove the van. Yeah, he drove it. Oh, my God. Wow. He got out of the driver's seat. And then he opened the back. And I guess Rollins and Ambrose had just been flying around in the in the, uh, in the the back of this van. They all get out. And they're eyeing the, the three. We really need a name for these three. I don't have to say their names. I'm calling them the, what, the Jungle Kings? The Kings of the Jungle? Jungle Kings, yeah. Yeah. All right. So they're staring them down. But then the locker room empties. And it's led by Kevin Owens, uh, but the, all these guys are there. What an eclectic mix. We had Kevin Owens, the Authors of Pain, Drew Gulak, Jinder Mahal, Elias, The Ascension, and then you had Ziggler and Drew joining in too. And they're attacking the shield. Braun nails Roman with the steps after lifting them. Rollins gets tossed off the ramp into the police truck. And somehow in all of this, Rollins got cut somehow because he had blood all over his left arm. I, I didn't catch where so, he was cut. So he was thrown off of the stage into the police cruiser window. Oh, okay, that was when it... Which smashed, oh, into the window. Smashed the window. Um, oh, God. So, yeah, that's probably where it happened. Well, that's not good. They didn't yeah. learn from the, that Goldberg stunt. Mm. Rollins uh, is beaten down. Ambrose is getting stomped on the announcer's desk. Ziggler then takes the back door of the van and smashes into Rollins' head. Like, a very violent beatdown. Mm-hmm. And this was where the, the lack of... Um, Anything from Renee, um, just any kind of explanation for it or her outrage, uh, kind of it was distracting for me. Um, yeah, they they line up the shield ringside and just leave them laying as uh, as the Jungle Kings roar inside like lions as the show ends. Mm-hmm. I thought a really good intense beatdown from the locker room onto the shield. Um, 
I, I, I mean, they did their a uh, great job of uh, I think making it feel like it was uh, the shield were completely laid out. Um, I think we're left kind of with the question of why the rest of the locker room is suddenly helping Braun Strowman and Zigmac in this attack. Um, I also found it interesting that Drew Gulak somehow was included in all this. That they just and like, like fairly prominently, I well, thought. Like I wonder, he was get, he was like talking smack to them, and the, like he seemed to be more featured than just like a member of the of the mob. Well, do you think that was under instruction and intentional, or was it just Drew trying to take advantage of this Monday Night Raw primetime airtime? I don't know. It just seemed like it was kind of. Um, you know, it wasn't the entire locker room either. It wasn't like they sent everyone out. There were select uh, choices, and you had a lot of the pushed guys there, like Owens and Jinder, the, mm-hmm. to a degree, Jinder. Elias was a part of it too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like this, this didn't feel like the opening segment where it was just all these faceless guys from the back that were separating them. Like this seemed as though it was like a concentrated amount that were assisting the main three, but also kind of got their spots in as well. That it was. A small enough group that it it kind of seemed like by design of they selected certain people to be part of this. Mm, I wonder if any all of these guys would end up being involved in this storyline though, or uh, could they just explain that hey Baron Corbin set all these guys out to attack the Shield? Yeah, possible. Like Baron was kind of the ringleader here that's assisting the main heel group. I'll say, watching this segment. Um, this seemed to like build up a six man more than it did the Roman Strowman match. Like I think you have some interest in this like as a three on three match. Don't you? Uh, they're probably going to do that at at the Super Show Super Card thing, right? Yeah, the, I guess you could. Yeah, like they do have two two thing. Two oh, people. they've already announced that. They they've right. announced that that is happening at the Super Showdown. Yeah. So yeah, you will get to that. Yeah, I I feel like you know again with this match, you know um. With with Strowman's turn kind of being so fresh and still at this point a little bit ambiguous, this is where I kind of really felt the crowd was unsure of how to react to Strowman. They clearly still want to cheer for him, but now like they know that they have to. The match is crafted so that you're supposed to boo him. The angles are crafted so that you're supposed to boo him, and so mm-hmm. I kind of found the finish here in the match at least to be pretty tepid. Yeah. I thought it was executed pretty well at the end. It was kind of a level of violence you don't get too often out of WWE. I thought they I thought overall they they did a pretty good job trying to establish these three as a unit on this show, putting the tag titles on them, ending the show with, with a lot of heat that you don't always get on Raw. So, I liked I, I overall enjoyed kind of the the show long story involving uh the two groups. I just think they need to do a bit better job explaining this Braun Strowman heel thing. Because, like, for weeks now, we've spent just wanting to see this guy cash in on that money in the bank. A total babyface thing. And then all of a sudden, one week later, he's... We're trying to... Like, they're trying to make him the main heel. And he just certainly does not feel like a main hated character at all right now. You know? That's true. Um, however, if you have to look at it that they are... You know, they Shades see Roman... Oh yeah, I hate that term so much. Um, but with Roman, this has worked so far since SummerSlam. I think this was another week where, you know, he was he was booked well. Uh, granted, he wasn't really in front of the live crowd all that much on this show, but it's worked for you know, Roman. But are you sacrificing another really hot babyface in Braun Strowman just to get a mildly better reaction for Roman Reigns? Um. Well, I mean, it's. 
it's arguable that you are that that Braun is better suited as a babyface. But it's I mean, who who's Roman working with then? It's if like if you have him designated to be your top babyface on Raw, who is that heel he's working with? Like it's probably I mean, Drew McIntyre. I guess that's the problem making him yeah. the top baby. Anyway, bigger mm-hmm. discussion. Well, that was Raw. I thought it was a interesting show. Uh, it, it had its good, bad, and in the middle. I think they covered all corners. I thought actually the performance of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker was very, very strong. Mm, yes, uh, and you're you're left with questions. So, yeah, uh, that seemed to be a pretty big part for most on the show. I enjoy the the change in direction, like in the number of times that I think we saw it on this show. I, I like the addition of Drake Maverick to the AOP. I I think putting the tag belts. Off, getting the tag belts off of the uh, B team, getting them away from this comedy uh, division with the Ascension and all that stuff and the revival is a very positive thing. So I think that's looking good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, tonight's show, we head to the forum. You ranked a 2.65. Oh, ouch. That Man. bad? I don't think it was that bad. I certainly don't think it was that bad. There, there, okay. Don't get me wrong. There was bad stuff on this show. I thought the Bellas match was very bad. Uh, the Lashley stuff, I was not looking forward to it, but it was much shorter. Like, had that been 10 minutes, that would have been, you know, worst of the year level. And Bobby's been quite a few of those this year already. So it didn't hit that level. I, f- I feel like I've just seen way worse. But, I mean, okay, let's, let's hear, hear you guys explain yourselves. All right. Let us start with, you'll never guess. Brandon from Oshawa. What an awful garbage show this was. I don't remember a Raw this bad in a long time, and there have been some atrocious ones. Did Teddy Long get upset from his encounter with Way and request to book this show? That's what it felt like with all those tag matches. What is the pairing of Gable and Rude? They don't click at all. Rude, I disagree. I think that if you were serious about those two, much in the same way that Gable and Jordan came together as they were a comedy team in NXT when they were put together, and then they became a really hot, serious team together. If they had that mindset, I think Gable and Rude could be a very good team together because they're both very, very good wrestlers. Uh, Rude got destroyed most of the match, and then Gable came in and kicked ass. This has to be leading to a heel turn from Rude. He looked like a joke. There were some things I wanted to like. I wanted to like the Michaels Undertaker promo, but where does it go? Either nowhere or one more match between the two. I have no interest in that. Drake Maverick all of a sudden managing AOP. It has potential, but it's so out of nowhere. Maverick has been a super... Super goody GM of 205 Live, and now he's with a big heel tag team. It makes no sense, and he needs to wear something other than that ring gear. He'll make a great manager. I can see him with the potential of a Bobby Heenan-type family stable, and I wanted to love the main event angle, but that made no sense either. The Shield go to jail and then steal a police van? <laughs> Why is ALP helping when Maverick earlier said they wanted the tag titles? Why is Drew Gulak randomly the only cruiserweight helping? I can keep going on and on, but it's pointless. They don't give a shit anymore. I don't know why I do. Okay, well, justify, justify hatred. Some valid points. We did get, uh, you know, a a, a stolen police vehicle yeah. uh, in this final segment. Yes, we got a Jay from Colorado. Downright awful edition of Raw on the level of the 25th anniversary. Awful, Michael. Coles- I can't say. I can't say that. I, I, that was a really awful show. That Disappointing. I would say show. that one because of all the hype attached to that. We go to, he says, Michael Cole said it right at the beginning during the Balor beatdown when he said, Balor gets no respect at all. So true. He gets jobbed out in one punch to the shield at the beginning of Raw and gets destroyed by Braun and company at the end of Raw. Boy, did they make Balor look awful. I like thick, medium, rare steaks. And I also like breakfast cereal. 
it doesn't mean the two should be mixed. So why on earth do we get the Authors of Pain and Drake Maverick paired with no explanation? This is redonkulous. Going from the amazing show that was all in to this was absolute torture. The WWE needed a big night tonight, and they missed on every single level. Renee on commentary was the only highlight, I have to, if I have to find one, a 2 out of 10. Let's go down to Jalen from Pickering. When Balor Corbin was announced for the main event, I realized we were in for a show ready to bore me into a coma. But seeing Roderick Strong, I mean Drake Maverick, dressed with AOP, made me burst out laughing. I think I would have gotten more enjoyment watching the writers come up with this show than whatever we saw tonight. One tiny 205 live GM out of 10. Andrew from Cape Breton. I have to at least give Raw a passing grade of 5 out of 10 for not having coach and for Drake Maverick being made the manager of the Authors of Pain. They were both great decisions. But other than that, Raw was a bland show. I don't ever want to see Brie Bella wrestle again. The first suicide dive seemed to be Sarah Logan's fault for being late, but the second one was scary as her leg hooked the rope so Logan and Rye couldn't catch her. She's not built to be a pro wrestler. Nikki is jacked and didn't look too bad in the ring, but Brie is at the level where she can really hurt herself or someone else and doesn't look like she's built to take much punishment. Highlight of the show was seeing Drew Gulak attack Roman Reigns with his boss's new tag team. I don't want to go too long with the feedback as you could write a doctoral dissertation on the logic gaps with the starting and ending brawls, so I'll leave that discussion to you guys. Mm, the logic gaps in having the heels not attack them in the beginning, but attack them at the end? I thought it was pretty apparent that the closing segment was kind of directed by Baron Corbin, that he was, mm-hmm. you know, that this was all a planned attack by Baron Corbin to first get them out of the building by arresting them. And then when they were somehow able to uh, get out of jail, then he had a secondary plan where it was getting all the heels to just attack him. And kind of Baron Corbin was the mastermind here. That's how I took it too. Um, I, I mean, I can see why somebody might question that because I'm not even completely sure, you know, they weren't Mm -hmm. explicit about it. Steve from BC. This edition of Raw missed on so many levels, but the one thing that really stuck out to me were the promos. When you compare the terrible opening segment promo, the backstage Bella segment, and the Jinder Lashley promo to what we saw with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, it stuck out like a sore thumb how much of a lost art the promo is. Even though it seemed like it was more focused on a tease of of a Michaels-Taker match than it was for the Melvin show, it pains me to see how good guys can be when they are just given bullet points and given free reign on the mic. Other than that, I like the tag title change and hope Ziggler and McIntyre can bring some interest back to the division. I mean, if if they ended up teasing a match that they weren't supposed to tease, then you can argue that bullet points, or sorry, a scripted promo was necessary for them. And that they, they, they failed in, yeah. when they were given all that free, free reign. And, and I would argue, even in the event that a Michaels match is actually happening, this was not the week for it. And yeah. the, the timing like, tells me that it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, and, you know, the it was... Really uh, good observation on your part about the replay and not Thanks. teasing that. And it was hardly anything the announcers like Shawn Michaels teasing another match. That should have been a major point throughout the show. And it was never referenced. Hmm. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. So this was the last show before the NFL season. And this is how they try to keep the audience. Really? The show simply put was t- horrible, even by today's raw standards. I'm attending WWE Super Showdown, and even I don't care about Triple H versus The Undertaker. Also, on Australian TV tonight, the advertised match for Super Showdown is John Cena versus Kevin Owens instead of John Cena and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Elias. Even AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe is currently non-title. Hmm, interesting. Uh, he says, so far, the only confirmed championship defense is the Cruiserweight title with all of the raw titles in multi-person 
tag matches. Given the prices were WrestleMania level at 3568 Australian dollars for front row or $1,427 for ringside, I've seen many fans online either trying to get refunds or sell their tickets off cheap. All right, let's go. Let's go to another one from Australia. This is uh, Taylor from Sydney. Man, this was a drag. Don't really have much to add apart from what's already been said. However, Bruce, Bree's suicide dive looked incredibly unsafe. She needs to drop this immediately. The only interesting thing about the show was the potential tease of a Sean Taker match. I know booking legends isn't fun for anyone, but do you see Sean as a referee on the Melbourne show, leading to shenanigans, which builds to a Taker HBK Mania program? Before tonight, I would have said you're insane, but it seems like this is where we are going. Two out of ten from Taylor. Can you see Sean inserted into that match? You know, it would be possible. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, it's the only explanation why they went the direction that they went tonight. You know, yeah. they were somehow involved. You're really copying then that end of an era match because yeah. that was the exact setup, which is not um, the worst idea. You could, and you've you've now made Shawn Michaels a pretty pivotal part of this program. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. Hmm. You're like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, anyway. Chris says, "How is Roman able to work any of these international house shows all the time?" What with the record he has to have, constantly getting arrested at work every other week. At least this week, they explain why they were being arrested. I'm super excited that Renee was back. I really hope they keep that going. She's been much better than Coach or Booker, and it's such a breath of fresh air to not have the commentators looking for someone to say something they can jump over. It adds professionalism that goes a long way in playing up the sport aspect of sports entertainment. I'm very okay with using more Drake Maverick. As someone who's only seen his WWE work, I think he's a fantastic talker who's not being used enough on 205, so I'm glad he's getting more airtime. Plus, hopefully more AOP, which is a good thing. Finally, do you see gender on one of the two main rosters by Mania, the way things are going? Yes. I don't see him leaving. I don't see anybody leaving. Last one is Eric from Sudbury. That Shawn Michaels guy is pretty good. The rest of the show is egregiously bad. After Raw's like that, I just have to remind myself that they make for the best reviews. Also, a quick thank you for all the content you guys put out this past weekend. Well, thank you for checking it out, Eric. Um... You know, I didn't think this was uh, hardly uh, a great show, but I did not see this as a horrendous show either. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't mind the the two segments that bookended it involving the Shield. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Michaels Undertaker promo; like I thought it was a really good segment. Uh, but those are the was, high points of the show for me. Yeah, I enjoyed the segment too. It was very entertaining. It was great seeing Sean do his thing. But I mean, it leaves me wondering if that was the intent. If not, then I have. I mean, I, you can you can argue the success of yeah, it. Yeah, if it was counterproductive to the story, that kind of colors your opinion of it. But so. it could be possible that they are building to that match. Yeah, it was, it was certainly um, a perplexing segment, at mm-hmm. the very least. Yeah. So there you have it, everyone. That was Raw from Monday night in Columbus, Ohio. A very uh, a polarizing edition of Raw here on this Labor it, Day. It actually seemed pretty unanimous. It was just polarizing for, I guess, you and I. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Um but anyway, that's that's what uh, that's why we, segments are going to have on people. And that's why we read feedback, because we want many different opinions. I will say, watching this show, two figures that stand out to me of guys that they're really missing to me on are Finn Balor and Kevin Owens. And looking at Kevin Owens as someone that, you know, seeing the merchandise that he was selling last week in Toronto and the last time that they were in Montreal... Like, this is a difference maker when it comes to WWE shows in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say, you know, uh, a massive needle mover worldwide, but he is someone I would want to be protecting to a certain level 
And I even look at this Lashley program that he's in the setup role in this program, and I don't see him being viewed as one of those protected guys. And I think with Finn Balor, man, I was so high on that finish at SummerSlam that this is a guy that that, that one result, you and then he had the tremendous match with Roman Reigns the next night, and I think he's just been slotted right back down, and he's he's in this Baron Corbin feud as well. And those are two guys that I I, I just feel that they're really missing the boat on with both of them. I agree. I think even if you're 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 jobbing human valor out to justify the demon uh the demon's power differenti- differentiation, I don't think that's the right way to go cuz then you make this guy cool only once or twice a year and the rest of the time he's just kind of loser and man, he should be a t- okay, whatever. I don't need to rant about it at this point. We are going to be back on Tuesday night. We will have rewind a SmackDown. SmackDown taking place from Detroit and then the double shot do you have any idea what you're going to chat about? You know, I don't know. I mean, if there's no being the elite, I'll, I'll try to see what, what kind of follow-up uh, in, uh, content there is from, uh, I don't know if uh, David Lagana and, and uh, the NWA are re- releasing anything or, or what, but maybe, you know, I'll try to find something. Yes, I believe I will have the Shinsuke Nakamura book done, so I was going to chat about that on, on Tuesday night. Cool. So you can tune into that. Our whole list of uh, shows is up at postwrestling.com. You can check that out as well. Postwrestlingcafe.com will have the double shot out as well as the Ask Away show that we recorded at StarCast over the weekend. That will be dropping on Friday. So uh, that is it. Thank you for listening and we'll speak with you Tuesday night.